In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. I hope that everyone has a moment of reflection where they can understand that the birds are singing, the sun is shining, the wind is at your back, and there's always something that you could be proud of. There's always something you could do better, but there's always something that can make the day worthwhile if you're willing to take a moment and understand it. I got an incredible guest with an incredible story. Someone who I think is doing the one of the best jobs as a creator out there and making the world more authentic. And they're doing that by sharing their own story of authenticity. Raquel Borges, creator and host of the Rock the Boat, founder of Rock Vision, also founder of the True to You branding. She's a brand strategist, brand strategist, a marketing manager, and so much more. We're gonna get into her story today. Raquel, how are you today? I'm really good. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am living the dream in so many ways. So thank you for asking. Yeah. It's been a it's been a little tricky over here in Hawaii. For those who have yeah. seen the notes and seen the pictures, it's quite it, there's a lot of tragedy over here. But I have found that in tragedy, there are heroes that emerge. And so I see that as inspiration. I hope other people can see it as inspiration too, you know. But where I think Raquel, some of the things that you have been doing are really inspirational. Maybe you can give people a bit of a backstory on how you got to be where you are and who you are. <laughs> you know what's interesting is that I am okay, so pedal back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot, but so pedal back. The main thing is that when I was a teenager, I suffered from clinical depression. And in college, when, while I was attending UCLA, I attempted mm -hmm. to take my life. And fast forward, I dealt with it. I did the work to get into a better place and 
to the point where I was in such a great place that no one could imagine that I'd ever experienced something like that because I'm always, you know, loving life and laughing and putting out content that's very positive. Mm -hmm. And I, but I never shared about it publicly because of the stigma and that shame and the narrative around mental health and just, you know, just suicide in general, like you say the word suicide and it does have that kind of like that sting. There's something about that word. So I never said anything. And it wasn't until about four years ago on LinkedIn, I had already built a really great community of people that I trusted, that I respected. So when I decided to pull out my phone during Mental Health Awareness Month and share my story, I just hit record on the phone and six minutes in Mm. said, hey, this is my truth. And I didn't share it because I didn't want to be labeled. I didn't want people Mm. to think that that's like who I am anymore. That's just, that's who I was. And And so it was amazing because what happened was, is being that it was LinkedIn, I thought I was going to get a lot of backlash because it is a professional site. And mind you, that was for maybe five years ago where LinkedIn was still kind of going through a a transition into, you know, more personal content. It was before COVID. So mental health, all of those things still weren't talked about much on the platform. So when I shared it, um, I chose to share it on LinkedIn because that's the community that I built there. I wasn't on Facebook, I Instagram, I didn't have the same community. So I did it there. And as soon as I shared it, it was amazing how many people reached out to me in my DMs, called me, texted me saying, I had no idea. I had no idea. Thank you for being so brave. Thank you for being so vulnerable. It was all such positive feedback that I realized like, wow, okay, I guess maybe it wasn't a bad thing that I shared. It was a good thing. And from there, people wanted to hear more about how was a- how I was able to overcome that and be in the place that I am now. Because unfortunately, a lot of times you don't get to see people kind of, uh, I guess, I don't want to say come out of that, but are able to change their mindset or change just the way that they view life in a way that for me, I don't ever see myself ever getting, getting back to a place like that. Right. Uh, so people kind of wanted to hear about it and then COVID happened. And then we all know that mental health really came to the forefront. So then I started sharing more about my story. And then during COVID, you know, I was on a ton of lives, a ton of podcasts talking about personal branding, getting on LinkedIn sharing, but also the mental health aspect, the like, you know, it all kind of intertwined. And it wasn't until someone was like, you know what, you should have your own show. Like you should be hosting. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, that would be great, but I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Like I'm in a place where growing up, I was like very labeled. I was like this perfect kid. I didn't, couldn't rock the boat. Uh. So that's when I had this like download one day. And I have to tell you, I had an energy clean session like on a Friday. I never had done that before. I had a phone call with someone who had this session and he warned me. He's like, listen, we've opened up some like gates here. <laughs> We kind of like, you know, broken down some obstacles, some like, you know, blocked energy. So don't be surprised if like things come to you in a way where you're just like, whoa. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Thinking like, <laughs> I don't know what this dude is talking about. And come Tuesday, could you not? Like, I just had this download of like, you're going to talk to kids. You need to hear what they are experiencing, how they're feeling. They're the, they're our future. They're the ones that are dealing with you know, mental health issues because of social media. They're the ones that are dealing with um, being isolated from school, their peers, their friends, their teachers, they're at home. They're at home with parents that are stressed the F out right now. Yeah, 
did. So unfortunately, a lot of these parents aren't really paying attention to their kids the way they should be because they're so focused on, am I going to pay the, be able to pay the rent? Am I going to still have a job? Am I going to be able to pay the mortgage, right? So I thought I need to do something here. And it was just one of those things of like, I also wanted to bring it back to the basic form of communication, which is just, <laughs> just start talking to someone, start being curious, ask questions, just listen. And 67 conversations later, I can't tell you how much I've learned from speaking to these kids. And it helped my relationship with my own kids too. Right. I have a 22 and 19 year old and it really helped me a lot. And and so I'm in this place right now where I'm going to therapy as well for my, with my family. We do nice. Zoom therapy. We have a mediator who's actually in Hawaii. Yeah. And my parents, my yeah. brother, and my sister. And so that we've been going through that last several months at least, maybe almost six months. So that's been bringing up a lot of stuff from my childhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm working with a coach uh, for like a keynote uh, just to be a keynote speaker, to speak at schools and nonprofits. So I'm kind of in this place where a lot of stuff is coming up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at age 48, I'm kind of myself having to really navigate a lot of my own shit. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, all it's doing is motivating me even more to help our youth because what I realize is that unfortunately, a lot of us adults, we forget how we used to feel as a kid. We forget mm-hmm. like all of the things that we went through as a child with our own parents too, with our peers. I don't know why we tend to kind of just like push it away and we just, you know, kind of like yeah. move forward and try to not maybe because a lot of it can be triggering. I get that. But at the same time, I feel like the only way to really understand each other understand our youth is to really tap into that and yeah it's hard mm-hmm. and it can be difficult and it can hurt and and all of those things but i feel like it's the only way we're all, we're going to be able to help each other and heal i really do like it's like we have to put in the work it's 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 work <laughs> to like to live yeah. <laughs> you know like and and to and to just go through life like i don't know why we or why I felt as a kid that it was supposed to be easy. I thought life was supposed to be easy and I could be perfect. Having that mentality really effed me up, you know? And something very poignant happened a couple of weeks ago on my birthday. And that's been kind of weighing a lot on my mind too, is that my mom, my mom had, my best friend, one of my best friends was at dinner and she's like, mom, dad, say something wonderful about Raquel, you know? And you know, my mom said, she goes, Raquel was the perfect child. She was Mm. just so perfect. She was so perfect that I basically like neglected her. And my, in front of my two kids, (laughs) that was what she said was, she was so good and so perfect that I just wasn't there for her in the way she needed me to be. Like, basically I needed a mom. And she admitted that she just wasn't one because she felt like, oh, well, Raquel's doing all the parenting herself and she's such a great kid. Like, what do I have to contribute to this? Not realizing that every kid, whether you are a good kid or considered, you know, a not so good kid, you need a, you need a mom, you need a dad, you need a parent, you need a guide, you need someone, right? And so like, just also acknowledging that was really huge for me too. 
a couple weeks ago. I really had to sit with that of like, wow, my mom just truly admitted that she like neglected me as a parent. And my dad was a doctor, so he worked a lot. So he was, you know, did what he could. But that feeling of not being like seen or heard or <laughs> valued, like that's intense. And here I was like a child that got everything, like had everything. You know, I had a good home, had, you know, went to private school, got the car when I was 16. All of the things that people think would make someone feel happy and content and good about themselves. And that wasn't the case. It was because I was, I didn't feel like I had someone listening to me and that's really powerful. And so that's essentially like where I'm at in my life right now is helping others feel seen and heard and valued. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, <laughs> beautiful. Thank you for that. Like, uh, there's so much in there and so like, in some ways, I think that if we pan out a little bit yeah, and we think about these tragedies that happened to us, like attempting suicide at, at a young age and doing what you do now, talking to kids on Rock the Boat. And for everybody listening, Rock the Boat is this amazing show where Raquel goes out and she sits down with kids and she finds ways to not only help them understand who they are, but bring out the best in them. And I think... She, the children that she sits with, she helps them be seen. And it's so amazing to me, Raquel, if we pan back out and we look at this generational story that you just told me, isn't it fascinating that you, at the age of 45, when you started Rock, when you started Rock the Boat, you began solving the problem in other kids' lives that affected you so boldly, that made you want to commit, this idea that you weren't seen, this idea. Now you're going out and you're finding younger versions of yourself and you're stopping that problem from happening to other kids. Like, I think that's, I think it's, I think it's amazing in some ways. And I think that that's how the world Sorry. works. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I will tell you this though, you know, my daughter, she's 19 and she's very mature and such Good. a smart kid and very um, perceptive and just like, I just adore my kids. Like they're just really smart kids. And yeah. One day we had this conversation and I was telling her about everything I wanted to do. And she goes, mom, just focus on one kid at a time. Like you don't need to save the world. You know, you don't have to save every kid, but just one kid at a time. And I was like, no, you're right. So I wanted to point out like with rock the boat, yeah, I've had wonderful conversations with, mm -hmm. you know, kids all around the world, the different ages. And there are a couple that have come back repeat times and um several of them i have a relationship on rock the boat where i've kind of been kind of a mentor and a guide to them and just someone they can talk to well i have to point out that eris who's been on my show six times uh he's on this on the spectrum so he's neurodivergent but he's mm -hmm. just such a brilliant kid and he's like become like family to the point where his dad texted me the other day when he saw that i announced that i had a venue and a date for my rock the boat event they're in Washington state and I'm in California. They're going to fly down so that Eris can be a part of, of the day. And he is 13 now. I think he's graduating from high school this coming year. And he already got accepted to pre-med at university of Washington. He's he's that's somebody that's going to change the world too. And his parents kept telling me like Raquel, like what you've done for our son, just having conversations with him has been, greater than any kind of like therapy or IEP or anything. 
just what you have given him <laughs> the, the confidence and you've empowered him in a way that like it's just incredible and just his social skills and the fact that he's had to like learn how to listen because you know a lot of times he would interrupt me but he like got the social cues he got it and now um yeah he's like he's like a family family member and i've met him maybe twice or three times now before they moved to, to washington we were just we were like 45 minutes from each other. But so I just always think about Eris and I'm like, okay, Eris was that one kid, right? And I have to be super grateful that there was at least one kid that I, you know, basically was able to kind of change his life a little bit. Um, yeah. So I try not to get too like overzealous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, contagious. Yeah. He's a perfect example though of, of, of why I was doing what I was doing and why I want to continue to do what I'm doing, you know? So that's awesome. Right. Yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's beautiful. And I, I, I think it's the, it's a great story to talk about that one, but I've learned in my life. Sometimes the things that you say, especially with such a large audience and so, so many people that, you may never see their face. You may never get to look them in the eyes. But the fact that the words you're putting out, the content you're putting out can be seen throughout the world and for generations to come. I think that there's a lot of people, like there's echoes of success, if that makes sense. Like an echo of success is the sound that, that you know, radiates from the canyon to the traveler you may never see. Like that, the kids that five years from now, 10 years from now that hear this story, they too can be affected by it. So I just, I think it's beautiful to think of, of Eris and we should, we should, we rock the boat is coming up in San Diego. When is, when is that event? Yeah. So I decided it needed to evolve okay. <laughs> just yeah. because, you know, that was COVID. So everybody was at home. So it was easy to schedule kids on a zoom. Um, right. but now that we're kind of back to normal and these kids are out and about and going to school and living their lives, I thought, okay, well now I want to kind of do something more live in person, right. but also have, I have to be really mindful of like having conversations live with kids. Cause these were, you know, I would have right. them record them, send them to the parents if they needed to edit anything out. I could, right. Cause you know, <laughs> the kids can say the darndest things. Ah, um, <laughs> That's so, so similar. Yeah. So doing something live, I have to be careful, right? Yeah. Um, so I thought, okay, well, I can't really do conversations, but what can I do to help? And then that's how it kind of just became this thing where I'm like, well, I'll bring in like motivational speakers, people that have gone through adversity, have overcome, mm -hmm. have great stories that can inspire these kids. Right. Um, I can bring in someone that speaks on like financial literacy because not a lot of parents like help these kids, you know, just understand like what a credit card is and how it works or, you know, maybe how to start saving some money. Right. Um, maybe do something where you bring in someone that does meditation or breathing techniques for those kids that have anxiety and need yeah. just kind of the tools to maybe calm themselves down in the moments that they have, you know, are experiencing these emotions. Uh, have some music, just, you know, like just have a day where they feel like, wow, this is all about us and people actually care about us and have them be interactive and just walk away feeling like they're inspired and empowered as well. And then I thought, okay, well, let's be honest, being the mother of a 22, 19 year old that have very privileged lives and, you know, happy kids, like they're not going to really want to go to an event like this unless like there's something there that's going to like woo right. them. And I don't right. want to 
I don't want to do that yet. Like, I don't want to be that person that feels that it's necessary to bring in like a celebrity or an influencer to have kids come. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. The integrity of what rock the boat's all about. Yeah. So then I thought, you know what? I want to go ahead and have my audience be at risk youth kids that are underprivileged, underserved, the ones that really need mentorship guidance that might not have it at home, um, might be on the verge of homelessness that really, really need to feel like they matter. And so that's where I'm focusing on right now. And my goal is to have it be a success and be able to duplicate that in different cities all around the country, essentially all around the world, where you have these days, you know, like these events where kids get to come in and just have it be all about them. And uh, cause you know, I feel like we have a lot of like the Tony Robbins and a lot of these like, right. you know, influencers that have these huge events and people come in and they're like, rah, rah, rah and leave. But at the same time, like we don't really have anything like that for our youth. And um, that's where I was just like, well, let me fill that void. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not? It's so it's so meta in so many ways, like so fractal. When I hear the story that you speak and talk about Eris and how the way you were able to sit with him and help someone who's neurodivergent learn in different ways. And then I see this event that you're putting on. It's like it's like Eris is the letter, the event is the word. Next comes the sentence in the after that comes the paragraph. After the paragraph comes the story. After the story comes the book. And if you're if you just see it in a linear fashion like that, you can see it taking place. And I, it's beautiful to see. It's beautiful not only to watch from my point of view, but it's beautiful to put it online so other people can see it happening in real time, Raquel. And I think that what you're doing and so many other people in this space, we're redefining what education is. The same way that you had the courage to build online and you've retrained who you were, you could say that symbolically the suicide attempt that happened to you was a rebirth. That was your opportunity to become the authentic version of yourself because that little girl, part of her died that day. And this new, out of like just like a phoenix rises from the ashes, so too did Rock the Boat and the idea of Raquel emerge from that place. And I think you're providing people, I think you're providing people with that opportunity. So- I think that education is changing. I think you're playing a part of it. I'm playing a part of it. And so many people are. And the good thing is everybody can begin playing a part in our education moving forward. Do you see what you're doing as an educational shift? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should. I mean, I, I do know that, you know, I was able to kind of take make a shift in, you know, the mortgage industry with just putting out content on LinkedIn. So I guess yeah. I could that I could be doing this too. <laughs> Wait, similar more profound, but <laughs> well, why wouldn't it? You know, if we if we talk about that, I think we can incorporate that. You know, there was a time, and 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 let me throw this out here, and then you can you could fill in the blanks here. But it seems to me there was a time that you walked away from the mortgage industry, and then you came back. And when you did come back, you came back in a different way. Again, the old Raquel was reborn and you were reborn into the similar industry, but a new, an actual new position was created for you. You know, so it's so too is this new position being created for you in this other thing. What do you, what do you think? I, maybe you could talk that story a little bit. 
Well, I think a lot had to do with just feeling empowered and confident and how much that like can do for someone. Like I didn't. So for me, when I left the industry, I left it in January of 2020. So right before COVID, Mm. I had been doing uh, branding and I thought, okay, well, let me go ahead and go out on my own because I feel that I can provide that for different industries for you know yeah. multiple companies within the mortgage industry, not just the company I was working for because I had enough people reaching out to me asking about my services, if you will. So I thought, okay, you know what? The universe was also like aligning in a way yes. where it just makes sense. So I went ahead and took the risk, went out on my own, and then COVID hit in March. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Um, so if anything, it was really hard for my business, but it was the best thing for my brand. Because what it did was it opened me up to a totally different world. Because what happens, a lot of us in the real estate, mortgage, financial services industry, we tend to kind of keep in our bubble, right? Like a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn, if they're loan officers are like, oh, let me just connect with real estate agents or, you know what I mean? And so what happened was for me, it opened up my world in this way where I was being asked to speak on these global podcasts and lives. And, you know, the fact that people wanted to hear what I had to say and people like, thought that I had value and, and all of those mm. things. It just gave me the sense of confidence more and more each time I would do something. So then, you know, unfortunately what happens too is that I also realized that one of my weaknesses is running a business. <laughs> I was giving essentially everything away for free. Cause I was that person where I was, someone would reach out and be like, Hey, I would love to just hop on a call and see what you like offer. And then by the end of the call, I'm like basically telling them like what they should do with their brand and like giving them all these great ideas for free. And so I thought, okay, well, I really stink at this. And you know, it's just, it was hard to have people pay for my services when people, once again, were worried about whether or not they could pay their bills or they were going to still have their jobs. So I understood that. So that's why I was willing to give out my, you know, insight and advice for free. So what happened was, is there got to a point where I was like, all right, you know what? I have, I need a job. Like I can't be doing this, you know, on my own. Like I'm not, I can't survive. And I was very blessed that I had, my dad was helping me out a little bit. I had had a cushion. I did save money. I didn't just like take a risk without having security there, but it like was running out. And so the reality is, was like, okay, I need to get back to work. I, in no way did I think I would come back into the mortgage industry. I thought there's no place for me in the mortgage industry. And then what happened was, is I had someone, once again, the universe <laughs> works in funny, funny ways. The universe like heard me. And literally sent someone to me, a colleague of mine who was like, hey, you know, uh, New American Funding is hiring. I know New American Funding very well, and I respect the company and their um, CEO. She's uh, Latina, and she's a female, and her and her husband have started started this company years ago. And I love the fact that she was a Latina and female, and I just love what they stood for. So I was willing to talk to someone, Mm -hmm. but I was very flippant about it. Like, well, I don't want to come back in. And- I just had this kind of sense of like, this is what I bring to the table. This is what I will do, what I won't do. And they were like, that's perfect. And I'm going to be celebrating my two year anniversary in October. And they have allowed me to be me. Like they saw what I was doing online. So they knew what we were getting into. Like they knew who I was as a person and what kind of content I put out there. So I love that they, understood that when they came to me. So it wasn't like 
I had to pretend to be someone I was not. I just continued to be myself into the, and I still am. And yeah. that's so like liberating is to be able to be a hundred percent authentic at work and outside of work. Like I know that there's like a debate of who you bring to work and who you bring outside of work. I'm the same person. Like you can ask all my coworkers, like they'll say that she's crazy. She's like in a good way. She's, mm -hmm. you know, like has all this energy. She makes us laugh. She's just, you know, has, we have a ton of fun at work. Like I'm getting ready to my boss. Um, he's, uh, he's actually in the office. So I'm going to already have an idea of like a video that I want to do with him. And he doesn't do videos, but he also sees the value in like going along with what I do. <laughs> yeah, of course. So um, that's like the beauty of it is that I have created this like position for myself that I'm at a company that I absolutely like love being here, love what I'm doing. And I get to have conversations with you like this. And, you know, he knows I told him I'm going to be on a live. Like, so I love that I don't have to like, you know, hide anything or do, I mean, they see what I do with yeah. Rock the Boat. They, I mean, that's like so beautiful, right? To be able to just be able to be me and pursue my passion and and still be in the mortgage industry doing what I do and helping with their social media and helping them with content creation and um and just be who they are too on the so on social media. Like that's what's so cool too is that they see what I do and they're like, "Well, we want to do that too where we can just be yeah. ourselves and still be able to do business." Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, and so it's, it's that kind of, uh, merging of like everything that's, uh, that I'm really just really blessed to have. Cause not many people have that. Yeah. It's, you know, it reminds me of like a grunion run, like, you know, like the fish, like for, for those who don't know, like once or twice a year during spring, there's all these fish that show up on the shores of like the California yeah. beaches. They're called grunion. And yeah. the first grunion come up. But if you go and you take those first grunions, the other ones might not come. And so on some level, I see all these outliers. It's like the first grunions. You know, I see the way that you have created a personal brand. And now as you were seeking like, hey, I can do this for all the companies. You going out and telling the companies, hey, I can do it for you. Now the companies are reaching out to you. And it's, it is this merger. It's like, look at what this person did for themselves. Imagine what they can do for the company. And the companies, it seems to me, are beginning to understand that the people that actually work for them are not liabilities. They're actually assets. And I think we got away from that for so long. And it's, it's hopefully the tide is coming in. And, but is, that, is this a trend that you see happening as someone who's built their personal brand and now is applying those same skills for a company they like to work for, they're good at, and there's a great culture there? Do you think that this is the future and other companies should be looking at this? I believe so, because it's like if you have these happy employees and people that are naturally wanting to rave about your company and their employer, like, hello, <laughs> <laughs> it's free marketing. It's yeah. free PR. I mean, yeah. it really is. I mean, how better way to recruit or better way to showcase your company culture or who you are yeah. as a company is your employees genuinely telling people, hey, I love it here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, luckily, my boss is right outside. I'm, I'm off of the kitchen and they're like, Co-workers, I love my job. <laughs> I heard a laughter, so maybe they. But, um, yeah, but yeah, I, that's what I don't understand. It's like, well, why wouldn't you want your own people to be your super fans and to be yeah. out there advocating for your company? And so I feel like 
um, you know, cause obviously there are influencers and there are people that are out there to like, that get paid to promote yeah. a product or promote a service or something, but mm -hmm. if it's genuine and it truly is someone that's working for you, I feel like that's the best, um, endorsement you can probably, you know, give and receive. And like I said, it's free. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so yeah, fascinating. Paid, but at the same time, like I also have a lot of integrity and I'm not going to sit here and, you know, say these things if, it, if I don't mean it, you right. know, and I think people can tell that I'm being sincere about it. Like just that I'm not sitting here just trying to like, keep my job. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I was genuinely happy to see my boss. I gave him like the biggest hug. <laughs> yeah. That's it's beautiful. So. I I'm hopeful that everybody watching this can understand that that's possible. You could find a place to do that. Or if you are a business owner, you can create an environment like that. Yeah. You know, it, it, it seems in a world where we're so connected that we're also so lonely. It's so weird to the difference between relationships and connections. And I think that what, what is your take on that? Like, it, you know, there's a difference between a connection and a relationship, right? How do you, yeah. how do you mitigate that? Or how do you deal with those two different realms of like, here's, here's this community that I've built online and I, I communicate with them. I talk to them. And sometimes we do these zoom calls together, but then you have this other reality where you sit down with people in your office. It seems, is it similar? Is it at odds or is it different or how is it similar? And how is it different? Um, for me, I make it a point to have it be like similar in the sense right. that there are a lot of connections of mine that'll be, come to San Diego for a vacation, for conferences, and they'll reach out to me and said, Hey, can we meet up and have coffee, yeah. have a drink, meet up for lunch at you, anything. And I'm always up for it. If I have time, I'll do it because I know that that's when the relationship starts forming. Yeah. Right. Cause like you have all these connections and you can do the DMS and the zooms, but the relationship really begins when you're able to, at least for me yeah. to be face to face and to really be able to like feel someone's energy. Like even there was a connection of mine on uh, that we met for breakfast on Friday and he's in San Diego and we hadn't like, we've been living in the same town for, you know, I moved out here a year ago and I finally just, you know, sent him an audio on LinkedIn. I'm like, dude, we're both like 15 minutes from each other. There's no reason why we haven't had the opportunity to meet. Like, let's just right. do this. And two days later we had coffee breakfast. It was like two hours. The only reason why we cut it short at two hours, because his meter, his parking meter was going to run out because we could have kept talking. Right. But that to me felt like, okay, now I'm building a relationship with someone because we felt like a connection where we, we were like, like-minded, great energy. And so for me, that's really important. I know there's plenty of people that are able to have a relationship with people that they have never met, but everybody's different. Like for me, yeah. I at some point have to meet them. Like there was someone Michael Ray, who uh, is huge on LinkedIn. I don't know if you follow him. You need to follow him because he is, has a great story. You will you will fall in love with him and Maddie, his daughter, who has Down syndrome. And he and I just connected on LinkedIn and we just felt like this huge connection. But we finally met each other because we were like, do we need to meet each other? Because we already feel like we're like brother and sister. <laughs> And we met and it just solidified it to the point where I have seen him several times have stayed with him and his fiance at their house and their kids and Maddie and, and, you know, we FaceTime. And so it, we took that relationship and like to another level because we were able to finally meet. And so for me, it really is important to meet people. So that's why I make it a point to take those online connections offline. Um, not many people do that. Some people are really mm -hmm. comfortable 
keeping some kind of like wall and to be able to just do online. And that's fine. Maybe, like I said, for them, they can still have a relationship and still feel like a strong connection with someone they've never met. Me personally, I, at some point I do need to meet you to really like make it real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's it's a great point. The connections because <laughs> everyone's like, you've met so many people. I'm like, yeah, because for me, it's really important to, because you can, you can, there's people that I've met and I've seen online and then I've met them offline and they're very different. And I feel, and a lot of them like are great, but I just didn't feel that connection once we were like in person. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, like that whole, there's something to be said about like in real life energy exchange. Yeah. I, I like to think of it as like the felt presence of the other. You yeah. can you can do a lot with appearances. You can do a lot with images, but there's things that you can communicate when you sit next to somebody and you know it's real. You know, just a pat on the shoulder or a, you know, like the if I can see like their their lip move up this way or their eye twitch yeah. a little bit. You know, like there's real their nostrils yeah. flare a little bit. Like there's real communication happening there. And sometimes I, I worry that that particular part of the human condition is beginning to atrophy in the younger children because they, they're yeah. so there. But I, I, even if that is true, even if that is beginning to atrophy, I think that there are attributes that are beginning to blossom. I heard a great quote and I, I want to get your take on it because I think that this okay. particular quote speaks volumes of yourself and so many people today. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Mm. <laughs> wow. What do you think about when I say that quote? Well, I think about how, like, what, what's the difference, right? You're taking a risk, like, and you're like, I don't, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where <clears throat> I don't know. I'm just in a place of like, why not? Like, you never right. know, like, what's the worst that can happen type thing. And I know that some people be like, well, you could die or you or something or other, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just of that. I'm at the point in my life where like, why wouldn't you want to blossom? Like, why, why wouldn't you? Mm. Like, I, I, I get it where holding tight and being a bud is, is sometimes, you know, it, it's easier for people because it just kind of keeps them confined and, you know, it's like a defense mechanism. I get that, but it's like, knowing what the other side is like for me, I think that's why I'm kind of like, why wouldn't you? But then again, mm -hmm. there's that whole yin yang, right? Like mm -hmm. in order to be able to appreciate certain mm -hmm. things, you have to have struggled, you have to have failed, you have to have done all those things, right? So yeah. the blossoming, like you have to be a bud in order to blossom either right. way. So yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot that- <laughs> Yeah, no, it's beautiful. In there, but I think that's that's the thing too, is that not many people realize that the struggle, the failures, all those things have to happen mm -hmm. <laughs> in order to be able to appreciate life and have an experience gratitude and, and all of those things. But once again, it's like, we have this sense of like, failing and struggle and all those things is like, Oh, that's, that's negative. Like, that's not a good thing. Like, but that's I me. Mean, you've got to go through that. 
Yeah. yeah. So that's why to me, I get confused when people are still so hesitant about being very transparent and vulnerable with their mm -hmm. journey, especially like entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. business. And I feel like there's still this kind of weird thing of on social media where these entrepreneurs are making it look like it was so easy. Um, you know, and then you have these young kids, like influencers. I had this yeah. conversation with someone yesterday about how these influencers make it look so fun and easy and there's no hard work. All you do is just promote a thing or do a video and look cute. And so then you have all these other people going, well, I want to do that because that doesn't look like you got to do much, right? Yeah, but yeah. I don't think they realize on the back end that it is a lot of work and there's a lot of consistency. A lot of, there's a lot that goes in. They're not saying that like you should be an influencer. I'm just saying that like, it's the way it's portrayed, I feel like is not really truthful in a lot of ways. I, I feel like a lot of that exists just in general on social media, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the, the it's the residue of conditioning of just do it for 25 years. It's the residue of the, the, the madman type of advertising K street. You know, it's like, yeah, man, you, you should be a billionaire by now. You should, it should be easy. Like, look at this person playing tennis over here and they drive a Ferrari. That's all you got to do. Yeah. And then it's also kind of like, and then you get people kind of knocking at like, if you're not like doing more than, you know, a side hustle and a regular job and trying to, you know, do something to give back or whatever, like there's plenty of people that want, that are okay with just a nine to five and very simple life. And just, you know, there's a lot of women like myself that love just being a stay at home mom yeah. and focusing on my kids and doing the laundry and cooking. Like I was okay with that. Like yeah. I, I much, you know, I kind of evolved and changed, but it's just was part of my journey. I mean, but you know, there's plenty of people that are actually very content with, with living, you know, a certain life. And I feel like sometimes when we see online, we feel almost like we should be doing more. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that's fair either. You know, like that is kind of like this extreme that that I think that's what's really tough is that um, it's just what we see and how we compare ourselves and um, just kind of how it affects just how we feel about ourselves. And that that's the tough part with social media is like that's not going to ever change as long as we can be putting content out there and sharing, you know, pictures and videos and sharing them with filters and you know, adding fun music and making it seem like, you know, everything, you know, what a happy day, then we're, then that's where I feel like it's so important to now that everybody needs to really focus more on like that self awareness part of it. Right. Cause like you said, it's like, we're getting away from that, but this is where it's really important that we actually get, <laughs> we think about that even more is like, who are we, who am, you know, like, have that self-reflection introspection like really like listen to your inner voice really kind of like hone in on who you are because i feel like when you can do that then everything else doesn't really affect you as badly i think that's a lot that's just once again like how i've been able to manage a lot of it not let it affect me in in, in, in a negative way is because i feel like i know who i am and i'm confident enough to to like love myself and not let it affect me because I see somebody doing something better or, you know, having a fancier life or, you know, getting to travel when I want to travel or, you know, all of those things.
And I think that's what happens is like we've lost sight of who we are. So then when we see all this other stuff, we let it affect us in, in a way that that maybe wouldn't affect us if we were like more secure with who we were. If that makes sense. I don't know. I might be going in circles, but <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's it's beautiful. And I think it speaks to the idea of unrealistic expectations that are put on all of us, whether it's through you know, something that is done purposefully or whether it's subliminally or whether it is our own desire to break away from the, the tragedies that are happening all around us. Sometimes we, we find ourselves running into this world of fantasy where like, okay, if I just did this, then I could have that. If I just had that, then I would be happy. And it seems to me like there's this Ariadne thread that's beginning to run through this story. When I hear your mom talk about Raquel was the perfect kid. And we I hear you talk now about, you know, I love myself. And, you know, there's all these, there's so much coming at me to tell me to be perfect. And somehow oh, and I, she still says I'm perfect. Like when people, because I live with her, right? She'll tell everybody, she's the perfect roomie. She's the perfect roommate. She's so perfect. And I'm like, and it's <laughs> triggering because I'm 48 years old and I still have a mom that like is so focused on this like perfection, right? Um, and luckily, like I said, I'm in a place where I just like let it roll off, but anybody else that maybe was like still really insecure might be like, oh shit, you know what? I gotta, I gotta keep with this label that has, you know, that I've had all these years as this perfect person, um, you know? And so that part once again it doesn't affect me but a lot of people it would and that's the problem right is that we allow like what other people say about us or how they label us or how they describe us to affect us in a way where we suddenly believe that and then we morph into that person even more because we're like oh well that's what they think that i should be right so even with this whole thing of me being the queen of goofiness and being funny like there's still a serious side to me and I still will post content out there every now and again where I'm pretty vulnerable and I'll share things that are not goofy, you know, and, and it, it freaks people out sometimes. It really does. You know, I won't tell you, I mean, there's so many times that I do that and people will reach out to me and be like, are you okay? I hate to see you upset. I hate to see you cry. I hate to, and I'm like, yeah, but it's part of life. Like they're, I don't not happy all the time. I have my moments and it's important for me to share those moments too, because I don't want people to believe that I'm this like, you know, 100% happy. I'm maybe 99.9, <laughs> but that 0.1%, like, you know, um, so for me, it, but it's interesting when I share those, that's when people get like super freaked out. And I'm like, why are they like, why is it affecting them so much that I'm not like happy in this video? And I'm not like making people laugh that I'm like, kind of just being serious. Right. So it makes you think too, like, it's a lot. It's big. When people feel uncomfortable, <laughs> you know what that does for them too. So yeah, it's yeah. There's. It's, it's, uh, let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this one, Raquel. Why does it? Why does your mom saying you're perfect have to roll off you? Why doesn't it? Maybe that should land. Like maybe that's your mom saying, "I love you," and there's not, and I respect you, and everything you do, I love you, and I'm sorry if I fucked up. Maybe that's what your perfect means. Instead of like, you have to be this perfect thing. Um. Yeah, I guess. I guess a lot of it too has to do with that we have like this really good relationship now because, um, you know, we didn't really have the 
when I say we didn't have a, the best relationship, it's not like we fought or anything. We just right. didn't communicate really much. Like she was, she's always been my mom and I always loved her, but I've never really like opened up to her because once again, when you don't feel like your parents are listening, you're not going to really share mm. much. Right. And that's mm. very poignant too, where my kids tell me everything, especially my daughter, because guess what? I've learned to just listen. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think it's, she's just, in this place of like, wow, I have a daughter that she and I get along great. There's no arguments. There's no confrontation. Like we have this like perfect situation. So mm -hmm. I do appreciate that. But I think, like I said, I, I think for me, it's just triggering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is hard because once again, I'm not, you know, I'm in a place too where I'm still trying to heal. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, childhood wounds and everything. And a lot of stuff comes up. So yeah, I'm not sitting here like, totally healed and, you know like I yeah. still have my moments but that's like what's it's important to share that because I think like it's mm -hmm. always going to be a process and it's always going to be a journey I don't think we're ever like we ever hit our pinnacle yeah. ever with anything I think there's there's always something there right like just when you you know think you got it all figured out <laughs> yeah you're that's why I was trying, I actually tried, tried to never think that I have it figured yeah. out. And then that's when <laughs> some force comes in and goes, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I try not to inv invite those forces, when, when, uh, you know, and when it's unnecessary. So then I, I try to like, yeah. say things in my head. It's like you're tempting fate when you get there, right? <laughs> and fate loves irony. So it's fate, just yes, like. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, but it's, um, if anything, I feel grateful that I'm able to kind of take my experiences with my parents and do what I need to do with them in order to help my relationship mm. with my own kids. Right. That's what I've learned to do is kind of like, all right, well, what can I, what will I not do? What will I, you know, repeat? Well, you know, all those things, right? Because I think there was a moment in time where I started realizing I was like my parents. Yeah. Kids were like, ew, we don't like you. You know, and I thought, what? And then I had to once again like step back a little bit and be like, what's going on here with myself? And then I realized I was making my kids feel the same way that my parents were making me feel. Like <laughs> so I was like, Yeah, we gotta stop that. So I was making that conscious effort to change. Um, and that's another thing too, that also with all of this, with the rock, the boat is I want to speak on behalf of like bridging that generational gap a lot mm. to parenting. Um, because just like you were saying, you know, how kids and everything have evolved and with technology and social media and like they're, it's different the way that they're growing yeah. up. Well, guess what? Because of that, as parents, we also have to evolve and change the way we parent because the old school parenting not, it doesn't work anymore in a lot of ways. Right. Um, right. and it's also kind of breaking that narrative as well of, we know it all. We're always right. Cause we're the parents or we can't be friends with our kids or we, you know, all those things that I've managed to be friends with my kids. I've managed to apologize to my kids. I've managed mm -hmm. to say that you're right. I'm wrong. I've managed to be like all of those things, right. Where I think we have a great relationship. I mean, how many parents can say that their 22 and 19 year old actually like to like do stuff with their parents, like both my parents, but both my ex and myself, we have great relationship with our kids. Like 
Like we have fun together. Mm. Like my daughter loves, she calls me and tells me pretty much everything. Mm. Why? Because she feels like she can trust me and I'm not going to judge her and I'm going to listen and, and I'm going to go ahead and be there for her as a mom. Or if she needs me to be there for her as like more of a friend, then that I can do that too. But a lot of times I have to ask her when mm. she calls me, cause I can tell she's kind of like upset or on edge. I'm like, all right, am I, are you calling me because you need my advice? Or are you calling me because you just need to vent and just like, I should just shut up and listen. And she'll be like, shut up and listen. <laughs> or, but usually she'll preface it right away when she calls me, Hey mom, are you free? Mm. I need your advice. So mm. I like to be upfront says like, this is what the phone call is about. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, or my 22 year old, when he came out to visit for my uh, birthday, we drove up and went to an angels, uh, Saint, uh, saints game, uh, angels, giants game, uh, because he loves baseball and like we made it a day, the two of us, and we've done some sporting events together. Like, like that's really neat, yeah. I think, you know, to be able to have that with my kids. But once again, it was a lot of work and it was a lot of me having to also check my own ego and, and all of those things. And so because of my experience, I want to be able to speak on behalf of that as well. So for me, it's uh, once again, just taking your own, kind of life stuff and do what I can to help others if possible. Like I just feel at this point my life was spared. So it must've been for good reason. That's <laughs> <laughs> well said. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I, I had never really thought about that. George, to be honest, it wasn't okay. until recently where I was like, why did I have, I've never questioned why my suicide attempt never worked. Right. There has to be a reason. There has to be a bigger picture here as right. to why I'm still here, <laughs> you know? And then I think it's once again, like it might be a little bit later in life and being that I'm 48 and I'm just now realizing all of it, but Hey, better late than never. Cause I do realize there's many people that go through life. Don't even kind of question like, why am I here? Like, what's my purpose? You know? And there's a lot to be said around purpose and passion and all of those things. Right. But, um, for me, I'm just in this really amazing place and I have to be okay with it. Yeah. I was a bit big self-sabotage sabotage or two. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to sabotage this anymore. Like if I'm in a really good place and I'm content and things are going well, like, that's okay to also like sit with that and be present with that and be okay with that. Like, <laughs> you know, so I'm learning to, to be grateful for those moments as well. It's yeah. so awesome. It's beautiful in so many ways to, to get to see the way in which obstacles are overcome and relationships are built. And I really, you know what I really think is helpful, at least for me so far in this conversation, and as, I, as I'm listening to this conversation and thinking about other people that I've spoken to, is I've seen this thread of like generational trauma, where people maybe at a certain age, they're able to look back and maybe it takes a lot of the pressure off of them from being like, ah, I'm such a freaking loser. Or, I can't believe I did this. I always make this mistake. Instead, they're able to sit back and be like, you know what? This is a pattern that not only happens in my life but it happened with my dad or it happened with my mom or it happened with my grandpas. And you can, you can begin to see that pattern and how it's evolved 
And then you as the latest manifestation of that pattern. I think there's something really powerful about understanding that when we look at our life through the lens of generations or generational trauma, we can find great gratitude and understanding, hey, if I can break this or if I can begin to stop this pattern, then my kid doesn't have to have that pattern. You know, I, I hear that in the stories. What do you, what's your take on generational trauma and using it as a lens to make changes in your life? Oh, no, I think it's great to be able to to acknowledge it and pinpoint where that trauma is right. and what it is, right? Because a lot of people, I didn't realize I had trauma either until just like five years ago or so because I thought that trauma meant that I had to have experienced like right. some kind of abuse or some kind of death in the family at an early age. Like I thought it had to be that in order to have trauma. And I realized like, no, you can have emotional trauma in many different forms in many different ways. And it, it's until I acknowledged it and I was able to realize like, oh my gosh, my trauma was from emotional enmeshment within my family and no boundaries and, mm. you know, all, you know, not defined roles and all of those things. And once I realized that I was like, oh crap, this makes so much sense as to why this, this, and this, and this, and why I'm react this way to my kids. Um, and so then it's acknowledging it and then realizing like, how can I change it? Cause that's the thing too, is you can acknowledge it, but right. then like in order to change it, you know, it was the same thing with my divorce, my dad and my mom and dad are divorced, but my dad stuck around like most a lot of people do because of the kids. Mm -hmm. Right. But we saw it and I, my dad would talk to me about it. Like, so we all kind of knew like why he was still there. And I remember in my own marriage, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm breaking the cycle. I'm not staying in this marriage just because I have two young kids. I'm not doing it. And I, I was like, and so I got a divorce. My kids were nine and six and yeah, it was tough, but I was just, I knew as a kid how it felt to have a parent just there because of us, not because he loved my mother and because I had a good relationship. It was because his, you know, he felt a responsibility to us. And we were kind of like, no, you also owe yourself to be happy, <laughs> you know, all of those things. Right. And so then when that happened in my situation, I was like, I cannot repeat it because then guess what? I, then my kids will probably end up doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but then the good thing, but then also the positive that I took from that was that when my parents did get divorced, they were actually friends and they still, to this day, we do everything as a family. Well, guess what? My ex mm -hmm. and I are really good friends. 13 years divorce mm. and we still do everything as a family mm. birthdays holidays like he flew out from virginia to tucson to move my daughter and i drove out we met up together you know our daughter was sleeping in he and i went and had breakfast together and went grocery shopping for her we did everything like as if we were you know mom and dad couple for our <laughs> daughter and you know, it's like a lot of people are like, that's really weird. But I'm like, yeah, but at the same time, like if you can do that, why wouldn't you? Because then your kids, you don't, our kids have less stress, anxiety, because they don't have to worry about like, oh, mom and dad and like, who's going to move me in? And are they going to be able to like talk? And, and that's a lot for our kids, right? And the fact that I didn't really have, didn't really feel that. And then even to this day, you know, be able to still do, do everything with my parents together and my dad's, you know, new partner and everything like I, I love that. So yeah, once again, it's like taking things that, that you're like, okay, this worked and I'm going to take move this moving forward or this didn't work. So I'm going to go ahead and, 
you know, stop on that one and, <laughs> and break that cycle. Yeah. Right. Um, I feel like that's really important too. to take the good and the bad, you know, and decide what you want to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah. hard sometimes to like, I love what you said about being aware or being conscious that there's a pattern or a problem, but then changing it is a different animal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's first off, it takes a, to anybody and I'm sure everybody on some level wants to be better. And people who are, are doing a lot of self-work that are looking for these patterns in their life that may be destructive. It takes a lot of courage to acknowledge like, Hey, I got some real problems I need to work on. And people should be commended for understanding to getting just getting to there is a pretty big step. I think that's a great step for people. But taking that next step and creating lasting change in your life, is there a scaffolding for that? Or what kind of strategies do you do to, to, to do that? Or do you have any tips or tricks? Gosh, to be honest, I think a lot has to do with, and this might be like, okay, everyone's like, okay, whatever, is um, I've been practicing yoga for 15 mm. years and I used to teach and I stopped practicing for a while. And I started practicing up again, especially this last year when I moved to San Diego. I've been doing consistently for the last year. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you like how it's, it's just, there's something to be said <laughs> about the practice of yoga because it really does kind of like take you internally in this, in this way that it's like, you're able to really like listen to yourself <laughs> And there's something about that. Once again, it wasn't until I learned to really listen to my inner voice and my intuition that really everything changed. And then that's why I worry about this world that we're in, that everybody's, you know, like a motivational person, inspirational mm -hmm. person. And, you know, everybody's so yeah. quick to want it. Like, believe me, I, I love Mel Robbins. I love Glennon Doyle, like all these women, you know, a lot of other men, like I love listening to them, but at the same time, like, I also am self-aware enough to know when what they say does, doesn't apply to me mm -hmm. or some of those things are like, okay, that's just not me. I know who I am. So I know it wouldn't work for me. Right? right. But unfortunately there's too many people that don't understand themselves. So then when they they're out seeking outside advice in order to kind of fix themselves or, you know, and I think that's once again, where it's dangerous, right? Because when everybody's different, like, I yeah. think we forget that every single individual is different. Not one formula works for everybody. So some of the things that Mel Robbins says, I take to heart. Like there's been a couple of things where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm using that. I'm doing that. Mm. And there's some things I'm like, yeah, no, I know myself enough to know that that's just ain't going to work. Uh, and so that's the thing too is, um, and that's the same thing with what I'm, mm -hmm. I want to like, be very adamant about is that, yeah, I'm sitting here like telling people like about my experiences and what I, you know, and I'm sharing all these, you know, insights and advice. But once again, it's like, it doesn't mean that everybody it's going to work for everybody. And I totally understand that. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's knowing that you're sharing your experiences in hopes that maybe some people will be able to do something with it and help them. Like, I don't think you should ever feel like everybody <laughs> has to do what I'm saying or has to practice what I'm saying or has to like me or has to believe me or has to think I'm right. None of those things. Right. I think that's where it gets a little bit dangerous when people have that kind of ego and want that mm -hmm. sense of power of, 
you know, yeah. So, <laughs> I, so I try to be careful with that. Cause I don't want, I don't yeah. want to sit here and think I'm like, I'm no expert in anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to share my truth. And if that could help someone, then great. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I like to listen to like uh, Deepak Chopra. I used to listen to a lot of Tony Robbins and, you know, now I, I, the problem it seems to me, at least on some level is that the idea of storytelling changes and it changes where we are in our life. It changes where we are when we listen to it. And an example of that might be, it's interesting to listen to someone who's a multimillionaire and listen to them share stories, but they're so far removed from the average person. It's almost like you're reading, you know, like the Homeric verses or like the Odyssey or something like that. Cause it's, even though like that person's still alive, it just sounds like such a fantasy. Yeah. And so I think that there's something so beautiful about listening to the stories of people who are on the front lines, listening to the people who are like, listen, like there's a real good chance that my life is about to have the hand, the sort of Damocles is currently right above me. And let me show you guys where this thing is. Take a look. You see that small strand that's hanging by? That could very well come down on me right now. You know, <laughs> there's something so beautiful about it. And I, I wish more people could do it because it's it's so hard to be vulnerable online because we don't want people to look at us and judge us. But it's that same vulnerability that makes our message resonate with people. And I, I love it, Raquel. I love that you have the courage to do it. And I, I think that that's why earlier in the conversation you says you said you know why why are people so affected by when i'm not happy like why do you think people are so affected when you're not happy are, are they building up this idea of who you are probably an unfair idea of who you are but why do you think people are so affected when you're not the happy raquel that's putting out messaging well because it's i don't <laughs> that's a really good question thank um, you yeah and i'm just trying to think like for myself like if anyone yeah. that i follow that also kind of makes me laugh and if they were kind of in that moment of just you know despair or they just kind of shared something that was you know different than what i'm used to seeing them like how how would i feel um i guess it is just kind of that reality and the truth of like shit. it's not yeah. all rainbows and, and roses and i think it's like just being hit with that with the truth of it's not always pretty yeah um, you know, I think we do like to kind of, <laughs> yeah, a lot of us do like to be in denial, we really do. You know, I think that's why people escape and go to the movies or the yeah. shows and all of those things. It's an escape, right? Like that's why reality TV too sometimes is so popular Yeah, because it's like this weird escape and this weird of kind of like, oh, let me see other people have a train, like go through hot messes and go through a train wreck because then it makes me feel better about my own life. You know, like maybe I'm not as yeah or whatever so then i do feel like yeah maybe there's a little bit of a reflection of that what that person's going through um but yeah once again it's like it's really hard because if you think speak to most people individually they'll say you know i'm not online i'm not, i don't put content mm -hmm. because i don't want to be judged and the haters and the trolls and what are people going to think but if we're all saying that, then why are we doing it? Why are we judging? Why are we being hateful? Why yeah. are we saying horrible things on our comments? So that's why I don't, that's the part that I don't understand. There's like, it seems like everybody has the same 
reason for not doing it, but then yet people are still doing it, are still, you know, judging and, and being mean and, and all of those things. So um, it's just, I think it's something that we're just, we're going to continue to kind of have to figure out and, and learn and navigate because um, it's a, uh, it can be really daunting, but at the same time, like I, I try to look at the positive of mm-hmm. all of it and it's being able to connect with people that you wouldn't be able to be able to learn about other cultures. You wouldn't like, I've learned so many different things about different cultures and people because of the conversations I've been able yeah. to have with them. And it's opened up my world, you know, so it opens up your world in many different ways too. But at the same time, like, um, that that can be you know really tough for people that maybe kind of lived in their own little bubble like mm-hmm. i know that someone had said that there's a lot of kids i think especially like in africa i think they were talking about was africa that like now most of them have phones so now they're being exposed to all these things that they never were exposed mm-hmm. to before so guess what now their world has opened up but it's opened up in a way where you know it's like now you're inviting <laughs> yeah of things in so i think it's just our job as people in general to be able to talk about it and be like and just be more open about how we feel about it maybe i don't know it's yeah it's a lot it's you know (laughs) i do i know i (laughs) it's overwhelming and um but once again i just try to focus on on what i can control Mm, you know yeah so and i can't control the way i show up in the world and how i react to people and what i do and so for me it's it's being that person that smiles at someone that says you know every time i order my starbucks wherever i go i always say how are hi how are you i always ask them how they're doing before i place the order um you know i try to say their name if they have their name you know um open the door just two days ago like i was in the parking lot backing out and this has kind of made me sad too is that there was a guy in a wheelchair and he had um a cart with like a dresser in it and he had he was an amputee and he was clearly it looked like to me he was struggling with the cart mm-hmm. and nobody was stopping like traffic was still going around him, nothing like and so i when i saw that i pulled back into my parking spot put the parking brake and jumped out of my car and like ran up to him I'm like sir can i help you and he's like no 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 i'm fine like he was super cool about it he's yeah like, no, this all the time like i live right here yeah. no worries i'm like are you free <laughs> I mean, you don't need me to help you with your car he's like no 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 i'm good i'm like all right well have a great day he's like you too like it was a very you know like pleasant interaction where he wasn't like pissed off that i was trying to help him and he didn't you know all of those yeah. things but at the same time, I realized that like nobody was like checking to make sure he was okay, like because he did look like he was struggling, mm-hmm. and that was the that was like the sad part for me, where I was like, people, we need to be able to do better, like <laughs> you know, we got to do better. We can't just like go our way and ignore situations like this, you know, like we have to be more aware of what's going around and surrounding in our surroundings and be more self aware in that respect. Um, I think until we do that, like, you know, so. Do you think that your ability to see people struggling and no one helping them stems from you struggling and no one trying to help you when you needed it most? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that deep. 
I go deep. I go deep. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I just like my mind goes down these rabbit holes. I'm like, oh my God, I wonder if that's happening. No, I've just always been, you know what it is, is um, I come from a family of doctors. Okay. You know, doctor, okay. My grandfather was a doctor. I think I just have that like, and then my daughter wants to be a physician's assistant. Like nice. I just come from a, a family of like, and like, we're, you know, empaths, just people that like right. want to help, like genuinely want to, to be like, we're healers. Like it's all those, all those personality tests that I do. It's like psychiatry. INFJ. INFJ. Yeah. I'm in the INFJ. <laughs> I know. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. And, and so all those tests, it says I should be like a therapist or a psychologist. Like I'm that person at work that people mm -hmm. come in and I know a lot of their personal stuff because yeah. they just feel like they can share those things with me. And they can, because I'll listen and I'm just, you know, I talk a lot, but I'm also a really good listener. You know, I tell people, I'm like, I might be, but when it's time for me to just sh shut my mouth and open up my ears, I'm like, I'm really good at that as well. So um, I think it's just kind of innate in me. I think there's just people that have, you know, naturally have that kind of like wanting to always help and I've just always been that person, like as a little kid, even before I could recognize, you know, all that trauma and all that stuff before mm -hmm. any of that, I was that kid that at school, mm -hmm. I was, I would always gravitate towards the kid that wasn't being spoken to, or that was like kind of an outsider or, you know, wasn't cool, if you mm -hmm. will. I always gravitated towards that person. There was something that I always felt like, you know, like. I just would feel badly that they were, mm -hmm. yeah. It's interesting. You know, what one, I love the idea of making sure that whether you go into a Starbucks or whether you're passing someone going into a grocery store, you know, one of the ones I always say when I see somebody is like, Hey, thanks for working today. It's such oh. a cool one to say, like people get yeah. so stoked too. Like, yeah, like I'm, a register. I'm so happy to use that one. <laughs> use it. It's, it makes everybody it. happy. Yeah it's, yeah, it's really cool. And I, I wish more people would do it because I've had it done to me. And I'm like, hey, you're welcome. You know, and it's like, hey, someone acknowledge that I'm actually doing this thing that I'm doing. And it means yeah. something. it's so cool. No, it's amazing. And then a lot of times, like the conversation, like I have had so many conversations with people just like ordering my drink. Yep. Or when I checked into a hotel the other day, we ended up having a half hour conversation. We ended up talking about therapy and the guy, the guy and the gal, they were like, thank you for th that. They said that yeah. that was so refreshing. <laughs> they're like, thank you so much. I'm like, yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just because I, I love it when people can walk away thinking like, wow, that was like really cool conversation that I just had that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Cause so many people are so focused on just like, doing their job and then yeah. moving on. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, no, I want to get to know who this person yeah. is. Obviously, if there's a huge line of people, I'm not going to be that a-hole like <laughs> they're talking when there's a bunch of people in line. Like I right. do try because there are people where I'm like, does this person not realize? Right. It's <laughs> like 10 of us. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, um, I don't know. I just love it because I love people and I'm just so curious about like just people and their stories so i'm that person that's like constantly like asking questions and and my kids hate it they ah. like mom you're so annoying ah. i'm like oh well <laughs> yeah they secretly love it i think you know on some level they're like yeah my mom's awesome <laughs> you know it's i love this idea of curiosity because we can see it in whether you read mythology or sci-fi or 
whatever your whatever your guiding lights are, there's usually a beaming stream of curiosity. But sometimes it's fear that, that kind of snuffs out that light. But what, what do you think is the relationship between curiosity and fear? Hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> do you th I think it stifles it. Like people that are fearful, they seem to be less curious. And I bring it up because I think that at a young age, especially it seems to me that a lot of education has taken curiosity out of the curriculum. We have decided that going to school and learning these five or six different things, while helpful to be effective and efficient and productive, they they steal the imagination. I think curiosity is a tool for imagination. And I, I'm just speaking from my own experience. It seems yeah. to me that fear is something that gets in the way. And you see it manifest later in life. Like, hey, if I if I don't get this job, then I can't have this. If I, if I don't get this job, I can't have this car. If I can't have this car, this girl's probably not going to like me. This girl's probably not going to like me. I probably can't have well, a once family. Once again, it's that narrative in society yeah. and all of those things. I feel yeah. like you, you. I feel like when you use the words creativity and imagination, it's far removed from being professional in business, right? Mm. Like for whatever reason, yeah. we have this idea that you can't be a creative and imagine, like have an imagination and still be like a professional. Yeah. And I have found that if anything, um, yeah, you can. And I did have to kind of go against the grain a little bit, especially in the mortgage industry, being that person that has mm -hmm. an imagination and super creative and then implementing that into my content. It was kind of like, I think a lot of people at first were like, what is she doing? Yeah. Like, that's not, you know, mortgage industry <laughs> talk or that's not this and that. But um, so then that could instill fear in me if you think about it, right? Yeah. Um, but it didn't. If anything, it fueled me more because I was, I, once again, it's that intuition, that inner mm -hmm. voice. My intuition was telling me, just keep doing it, Raquel, because at some point you're going to be like, and then now that's the case is like now everybody else is trying to like create content and, and do it in a fun way. And, you know, now you've got yeah. Instagram reels and you've got edutainment, mm -hmm. right? So now it's like, I look back and I think, okay, I kind of like helped pave the way in that respect. I could have, it, I could have easily let fear set in and be like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I gotta, I gotta stop. But for whatever reason, I just, like I said, just listened to myself and just kept mm -hmm. doing it. And now I'm like proud of myself yeah, for just a like continuing to be me and believe in myself and what I was doing. But there is that fear for sure. The fear and that doubt that sets in because of what everybody else is going to think. Right. And say, right. Once again, like I was thinking about that yesterday. I was like, why don't we not do certain things? I go, because we're so worried about what other people think. I go, if there was, if, if you knew that nobody was going to care, if everybody was going to be okay with what you did, you would do it. It's easy. It's simple as that. I feel like if like social media was a safe space and nobody ever like said anything mean and no one ever judged and you were just putting yourself out there in the most authentic way, nobody was saying anything bad about it. Well, guess what? Everybody would be doing it. I feel like it's as that that simple as that. <laughs> I really do. It's just unfortunate, you know, as humans that we that we continue to do that. So Yeah. In some ways, like I 
it makes me think like maybe the online world is a, you know, the online world is the actual, um, what are they, what is it called when, um, gosh dang, I can't think of the word, but if you could do it online, maybe that's the practice for doing it in real life. And mm. maybe, you know what I mean, maybe that's the, this is the virtual reality, they call it, right? So if you can have a startup, if you can become this authentic person online, maybe you, maybe that gives you the courage to become that authentic person in real life. You know what I mean? So many, honestly, I think we have it backwards. I think we have to be this insane person or this great person, and then we'll be this great person online. But mm. maybe happening is that technology ai is giving us a real vision into who we are and it's kind of training us to be better people everyone seems to be so afraid of it in some ways but like look what it's doing it's allowing us to see who we really are it's allowing us to have this virtual machine where we can use our imagination to be our own brand you can have rock the boat and you can reach out to all these people worldwide you know and and, and when you do that it it changes who you are in real life Changing who you are in virtual reality has real ramifications. Like you're reaching out to the young kid with autism in Washington, changing his life. And that has real ramifications for you in the real world. It's just interesting how that, that parallel happens there, right? I, is that too much of a rant to like to go off on? It's pretty powerful, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's why it's all so scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's this real, real change that's happening. And it's happening at a pace that yeah. people can't control. Never before in history has the individual become so empowered. And, you know, I on some level, when I look at the stock market and I see it going down, I don't see that as the economy going down. I see that as a panic index for people that already have so much you know, these, these large corporations, like they're panicking because the individual is creating, you know, the individual creators moving up. And I hope that moving into this world, the youth of today can harness it. And I, and I think they are. I, th I think that people like yourself and so many people out there that are, that are redefining what is possible, that is bringing imagination and creativity back into the workplace or setting an example for the youth of tomorrow. And I'm so stoked to get to talk to you, Raquel. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Thanks. Um, I should probably get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You've been so gracious with your time. I, I truly oh, yeah, appreciate no, no, no. it. Good. Thank you. Yeah, but maybe before we go, though, we talked a little bit about this event, Rock the Boat, coming up. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about like, like where people can find you, but specifically, what events do you have coming up, and how can people reach out to you and be part of them or – well, this, this is, is the inaugural one, so I'm hoping okay. that this goes well so that I can do more. Yeah. But yeah, it's here in San Diego November, on a Saturday, November 4th. So I am trying to, this is where it gets a little bit difficult, find the youth that should be there. Um, and then, um, thanks, Tom. Yeah. And then, so the thing is, I need to get the teens there. I'm not short of people wanting to help in some way, but um, I do have a fundraising link because you know, to pay for the venue. I do, I am going to provide breakfast and lunch for yeah. these kids. And then I do want to have swag bags with like journals and notebooks in there and pens yeah. so that they can take notes and write down and journal as well. And just, you know, some goodies that they can walk away with. Um, but we did port partner up with Anovia Behavioral Health Services. So they are a platform that provide mental health services and they have an adolescent um, platform as well. And so they've, for instance, donated memberships to these kids that attend so that'll be cool 
And um, I do have another uh, nonprofit right now. We're working on trying to get a sponsorship so that they can go ahead and um, have these kids part of this music program where they come in, they write their own song, they mm-hmm. uh, record it, produce it, make a video out of it. It's a really cool uh, organization, David C. Foundation. So we're working with them trying to get like a $15,000 sponsorship so that these kids can be part of that program. So it's like I'm working on those type of things. Um, as well uh so it is a lot because i am a one woman show over here um but at the same time like just i'm determined to make it happen and to make it successful and to me success would mean that one team walks away feeling like it you know their world can change like and so yeah um if anybody wants to help out in any way there is a fundraising link uh you can go over to my linkedin or i, I guess we can eventually put it yeah in we'll put it in the show notes um yeah but i'm on linkedin and you can you know check out rock the boat the show with these kids i haven't done one in a while but there are 67 conversations uploaded and um yeah so i'm just it's <laughs> a lot of moving pieces <laughs> yeah so and any help um, will be greatly appreciated. If anybody has any advice or anybody that I should connect with, um, let me know. I'm open to, to all suggestions, <laughs> advice, all of it. <laughs> it's amazing. And it's super inspiring. I love to see Rock the Boat go from being something you did as a passion project on air and now being something you do live. Like I, I think that that should, you should I think there's rituals that happen in life and the transformation of this one to this one should be totally celebrated. And I hope yeah. I can help celebrate with you. It's awesome. I, I love what, I love what it is that you're doing. And thank you for today. Hang on for one second. I'll talk to you briefly afterwards, but I'm going to yeah. tell all the people here that uh, aloha, everybody. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Go check out Raquel, check out what she's doing. Check out the rock, the boat show in San Diego. We'll put the links for anybody that uh, can support in any way, please do. And that's all we got for today. Ladies and gentlemen, Aloha. <laughs> All right. Okay. I think we're still alive. <laughs> oh, did it end? Did not end it here? Oh. <laughs> okay. Way to go, like George. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, 
it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.